Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Khalil Sakakini. Khalil is a relationship coach and also an animal communicator practitioner. Khalil, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks, Stacey. Pleasure to be here. So how did you get started working with animals? Well, there was always a deep love for animals, a deep respect for who they were, the beauty that they brought into the world, the the mystery of their existence and the sense that they were very wise creatures. And then we had a very lovely and very beautiful black cat who just simply exuded the kind of creative energy that made the world a better place. And we developed a deep relationship to him. And when he passed, it was a very complex passing. And at the same time, his spirit was just incredibly awesome. And even the people at Angel Memorial now have a picture of him in their room, in their heart center. After he died, I was launched into a real confusing vortex and was casting about for ways of dealing with the hurt. I volunteered at the Gifford Cat Shelter. I would go to Angel Memorial. I had a tattoo put on my body, which is the first time in my life. And it's a sweet black cat staring at a blue butterfly. And then I took a sort of strange step and explored the world of animal communication, which once I stepped into it, it was impossible to step back out. The only recourse was to go further and deeper and expand your awareness and your intuitive self as you learn the skills of interspecies communication. Where did you learn how to become an animal communicator? Well, we hired a couple of animal communicators to find out whether our remaining cat, our remaining animal companion, we don't call them pets, by the way, we call them animal companions, whether she was ready for another companion, another cat. And once I hired this communicator and I watched the way they work, I said, my, this is really interesting. What they're doing is giving vocal form and physical presence to what my heart was always expressing. So I stumbled upon a great teacher, Nancy Windhart, and she is one of a handful of, uh, I call them master mentors, who really run workshops online and offline in animal communication. Penelope Smith sort of was the grandmother of all of this, and it was in 1978 she coined the term interspecies communication. So Nancy and I clicked, and I spent 12, 13 weeks studying with her. And that was the formal process, which has continued through various seminars and our own private closed group on Facebook, where we test our skills and share our successes and our failures with our colleagues. And how have you used animal communication in practice? Well, let me step back a bit. Some people may wonder what it is. It's based on the idea that, and you're seeing it now with a new world energy taking place and people talking about one earth, one mother earth, one globe, we are all one. Well, if you take that idea literally 
and you roll that down the hill a bit, you end up believing that we are, in fact, all one. And if you don't pay lip service to that and you look at what that means, it means if we are, in fact, all one, why then can't we all communicate with each other? Why can't we communicate with an animal companion, with a tree, with a plant? Why can't dogs and cats communicate with each other? So that is predicated on the idea that, let's say, Native Americans often communicated with the animals, their horses, their bison. And certainly you know stories of children who come and say, Mommy, Rover just told me that he has a stomachache. And you say, of course, as a parent, well, honey, sweetie, that's very nice, but dogs can't talk. So the kid knows the dog talked to him, and you as an adult are sort of bleaching that out of him. So once you get that we are all one, that we are all connected, then it follows as a corollary, logically, that we would be able to communicate with those very entities that we are connected with. The next step is that if that's my premise, and I believe in it, then how do I go about doing this? So that's when you begin to study and you begin to listen to some of the mentors and you begin to learn the ways in which this is accomplished, what you have to do for yourself, how you have to control the chatter in your mind, how you have to find a soft focus, how you have to get into a state of deep relaxation, how you have to put aside your own personal agenda and in a sense become a clear channel because the animal mind is terrified by the random chatter going on in our mind their communications are very direct and very simple and very to the point. And so very often when you're about to formulate a question, you've already gotten the answer. So you do have to do a lot of personal preparation on yourself so that you don't impose your own emotions and fears so that what you get back, if you're a clear channel, is genuine, authentic, two-way communication with the animal But if you're just full of agitation and trying too hard and you're internally stressed and your mind is chattering away, all you get back is a reflection of your own anxiety. So you have to practice, practice, practice to get better at this. I'd be interested to hear more about your experience in volunteering with the Gifford Shelter. And did you use any of these skills when you were there? You know, it's a funny thing because Rachel Geller, whom you know, who's been on your program, is a magnificent behavioral specialist. She's one of the few liberal, open-minded people who wanted me, in fact, to give a workshop in two-way animal allopathic communication. And Gifford didn't want that. I don't know whether they thought it was too woo-woo out there. (laughs) Who knows, you know. But we know scientifically that animals now have emotions, have feelings, have thoughts, can use tools. So I was disappointed that the cat shelter wasn't willing at least to embrace a 20-minute or a half-hour introductory talk. But having said that, in my own work with the shelter... I do use animal communication. So, for instance, uh, you should look up a video called How Diablo Became Spirit. It's a great video. It's world famous. It's uh, kind of put together about the Anna Breitenbach, one of the world's leading animal communicators. But one day I was at the shelter and some highly energized gal came in 
and she was in that high kind of pitched voice that people often use to talk to animals, tell me the animals that were nice and how sweet they were. But she found one cat. She said, well, you're a troublemaker. And I listened very quietly. And again, she said, you're a troublemaker. And I said, you know what? I don't think that cat needs to be told he's a troublemaker. He's in a cage or an enclosure. He is probably traumatized by being here. The last thing in the world he needs to hear, because it's demeaning and robs him of his energy and is a negative. And she said, well, you know, they can't understand this. So I started to say, if they can't understand this, why are you walking around saying, oh, Susie, how cute you are. Oh, Marty, how much I love you. If you think they're going to understand that, then they're certainly going to understand when you say you're a troublemaker or you're a bad boy. But that has corollaries with parents bringing up kids. When you tell the kid he's a bad boy, what are you going to get? A defeated negative impact, which reinforces a negative self-image. And whoever's lost is further lost. We've used animal communicators, the shelter that I was involved with, the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. We used animal communicators and many people who had lost their cats had used animal communicators. And I will say with shockingly great success. And it's been very, very helpful. We actually used a communicator when we moved into our first adoption center that we bought. It was a ranch house that a couple had lived in. And we used a communicator there to help create better energy in that space. It was a very stressful move, moving everybody in there. And we had done some renovations and stuff. And we just felt that the adaption process was a little bit off kilter. So we had used pretty much everything that we could find to try and settle the energy in the space. And it seemed to work. It seemed to help, at least. We all settled in. But the lost and found component of animal communication, I find extremely interesting. Have you ever done any of that? No, I don't think I'm good enough to do that yet. And even some of the masters or mentors won't do it because it's a very slippery slope. For instance, animals leave their home for many reasons. Not all that are lost want to be found, so to speak. Many times an animal isn't happy in his or her home. It's not a fit with their people, and they want to get away from it. Other times an animal may simply feel that his job with that family, with those people, are done. It may very well want to leave his body and enter back into the spirit world and takes off to find the right place to do that. So in some cases, animals who are lost do not want to be found. And then, of course, there's always the added dimension of when you are communicating with an animal, based upon the vibrations that you get, can you accurately say this animal is no longer alive or this animal is? So working with lost animals is very, very tricky because then you're dealing with the heavy emotions of the owners or the human companions. So I don't touch that. And even people like Nancy will say they won't easily touch it because it's just fraught with so many old layers of complication. It's a very emotional process. I mean, we had a fire in a house, and so it was in determining whether or not the cats were in the house or outside of the house. We had another instance where a deer came through a plate glass window of a dining room in a 
community and uh, indoor cat that had been indoor only for eight years got out in the chaos of this deer smashing into this house. And it was incredibly amazing and a successful outcome in finding that cat in a place where people thought there was no way a cat could get into that space. And they found the cat within seven to 10 days after the cat getting out of the house. But I mean, it, it wasn't done without a lot of energy and exhaustion on the part of that animal communicator, trying to convince the cat that, you know, everything was okay and people were coming for them and that kind of thing. You know, in the case of the fire, it was not a good outcome. It was determined the cats had perished in the fire. The cat was actually outside, but its companion was in the house. And it went in the house during the fire to help get the other cat out and perished in the fire. At least that is what we believe happened, which was, you know, obviously an emotional time for our communicator. Are you willing to say who the communicator was? It was Bruce Fuller. He was on our board of directors. You can search Fuller's feeding station online, and he designed a two-level feeding station for our feral cats up in the Newburyport, Mass area. At one point in time, I know who trained him, but I've forgotten that person's name at this point in time. And unfortunately, he passed away a couple years ago, so he's not with us anymore. But he did an amazing job for us over the 15 years that he was involved with our organization and helping us to be able to consider alternatives and to be able to introduce to other people alternatives and trying to help them with any of their lost pets and helping cats in our care, too. So he was very, very sensitive and an excellent asset to our organization and a great person in general. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Ready to make a big difference for cats in your community? We've got an exciting opportunity that can jumpstart your efforts. The Community Cats Podcast has launched Community Cats Grants. When you qualify for this innovative program, you'll gain valuable knowledge about how to raise funds for your spay-neuter efforts. Plus, we'll match the funds you raise up to $1,000, doubling your ability to make a difference for cats. Fundraising doesn't have to be scary. We'll be with you every step of the way. Check it out. You can find all of the details on the Community Cats podcast website under our education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. Now, it's interesting that Penelope Smith's books, as I said, she was the pioneer in all of this. And sometimes when you read her books, you really start to doubt your own sanity or you doubt her <laughs> sanity. And they don't know where you are, but continues to unsettle your wisdom and your peace of mind. But I almost feel somebody could say, and this may be a step out there, but maybe the cat and the deer communicated and maybe it was determined that that is how the cat would be free through the deer coming through the window. That seems dramatic and extreme, but one would wonder to what extent there was any communication going on from that cat indicating a need to get out. But you're saying the fact the cat went back in, is that right? Oh, no, that was two different stories. So one was when the house was on fire, the cat went back into the fire, but the deer story, the cat didn't go back in. The cat ran out because the police came into the house to corral the deer, get the deer tranquilized or whatever. So this happened about 13 years ago. So it was a long, long time ago. You know, I'm sure that people are better at directing deer away from houses and that kind of thing. I mean, I think that they were chasing the deer and the deer was just panicked and spooked and just reacted in that way. Yeah, back again to your question about the shelter. So often we find that 
Uh, shelters do a great job, and I don't know what your shelter kind of function is, but so many of these cats wonder why they're there, and we never explain why they're there. They spent seven years in a house or ten years in a house, and then all of a sudden they find themselves in a shelter, and the emphasis is on adopting the cat. We've got to get these cats adopted, but there are so many steps in between, like how do you know what kind of home that cat really wants to go into? It's a huge, huge question, and I'm sure it's one that we could talk about for another hour and a half, but unfortunately, we're coming short on time. Khalil, if there were people interested in finding out more about what you do and the programs that you offer, is there a way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I remember also that this began as my primary function as a relationship coach, helping relationships grow and develop. So the website would be theothermecoaching.com. That's all one word, of course, theothermecoaching.com. And because I find when I use animals in personal and emotional and couple coaching, it breaks down barriers and I can get closer to the issues that I ever could with just words and logic. So at least people, your listeners could start there, get a sense of who I am and what I do, and they can communicate with me by way of the email on the website. Khalil, do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, just two or three quick ones. Uh, Try to avoid the word pet because your animal companion is a companion. When people talk about sending the dogs to obedience school, let's back off from that term. Let's talk about sending them to maybe a, a training capacity where we can all learn to live harmoniously together. So you're training the person, not the owner, the person, and you're training the animal not to be obedient but to be responsive in a way that brings health and good energy to the family. Khalil, that sounds great. So I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and um, hopefully we'll be able to touch base again in the future. Stacey, you're the best. Thank you very, very much for making the time for me. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone.